Hey everybody, welcome to the Cast. This is the podcast where we talk to people for and or from the Midwest. I am your host, Charlie Barons. We are brought to you by Everlight Solar, and here is today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Cast. Today, my guest is Masood Boomgard. You've seen him on TikTok doing this self-help thing. You've possibly seen him uh, do stand-up uh, across the world. He's a internationally touring comedian. He's a funny guy. He was at the Pabst last weekend. Um, he'll be in Royal Oak soon. And he'll be in Royal Oak soon. So wherever you are in the Midwest, uh, check him out. Super, super funny dude. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk with him. Um, and we especially found out that the similarities between the Midwest goodbye and the Indian goodbye are a lot more common than than we may have thought before. He this did the episode. reverse drive through without even you know what I mean, and uh, he yeah. right away went into it, which is like something you've done in videos before. Yeah, so. I know there's a universality in uh, not wanting people to leave your house, I guess, or not wanting to be rude to cut it off. But then he, it was it's a deep tease, but he came up with like a way to cut it off sooner, and I was like, that's not like more polite. It's just honest. Yeah, I know. It was so funny. I know. Yeah. Uh, for those of you just listening, this is Kelly Maraca, executive producer of Cripes Cast. Join me in the studio. I don't know if I need to keep introducing you for folks. I always kind of do it. Well, I just, my family, just, my family and friends think it's funny the way you say my name. What, Colleen? It's just, yeah, nasally. No, I was you just scratching my nose. nose. I was just scratching my nose. Well, then what's so funny about the way I say? I it? don't know. They think it's funny. Well, what do they think is funny about it? Uh, it's very Midwest, is what they say it is. Oh, well. That's who you are. It's Colleen. Uh, Colleen. Colleen. Am I saying that wrong? No, it's just like it's the, it's, no, you're right. You're, you're fine. You know, the nice thing about um, having like a bit of an accent is if you say something wrong, you can just blame it on the accent. Yeah. I mean. My brother doesn't even say my name right. He says Colleen. Colleen? Like Colleen. Oh, I've heard Colleen. Like Colleen. Yeah. Colleen the upstairs. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nice. Anyway, anyways, we uh, we got a very fun episode coming up for you guys. But before we dive in, if you are interested, I am on the road going to be in Charleston, Durham, Los Angeles, San Diego and Phoenix. Uh, if you're in any of those places, hopefully I'll see you in the next couple weeks. And uh, yeah. And, and before we jump into this episode, I also want to say this week, like every week, we are continuing to raise money. Um, for Doctors Without Borders. Doctors Without Borders is continuing to find medical supplies uh, and try to get as many into Gaza as possible as that situation continues somehow to become more and more disastrous. Uh, it's, it's a very difficult thing, I think, for people to watch and to want to help with and to not know how, but Doctors Without Borders is where we have been directing folks since the beginning of um, this most recent conflict and the, just the devastation that we've seen um, since October. It's, it's, it's hard to watch, but Doctors Without Borders is helping. Uh, you can donate doctorswithoutborders.org. You can follow them at Doctors Without Borders. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, here is my conversation with Masood Boomgar. Hey, how's good it going? Morning. How are you? I'm good and you. Good. <clears throat> Doing great. Where are you uh, calling in from? Were you in San Diego? Uh, I was. I'm in San Jose now. 
Ah, nice. How do you like California? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, what I like about it, of course, is the weather, uh, especially, you know, this time of the year. It's not as uh, as cold as everywhere else. Yeah. Well, speaking of as cold as anywhere else, you're coming to Wisconsin at some point, right? You're going to be playing at the pass. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to the Midwest before? Um, does, uh, Michigan count? Yeah. Michigan that counts. That's right there. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I've, so I've been, I've been, I've been to Michigan. I've been to, uh, Chicago. Okay. Uh, uh it was this time of the year and it was brutal. It yeah. was a complete, it was a complete shock to my system. I think <laughs> I just went from the club to the hotel and that was enough for me. It sounds... uh, I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> sounds about I right. I remember like the first time I went there, I was like, uh, you know, you want to, you know, you're a bit touristy, you know, you want to see, uh, you know, famous buildings and whatever the case is. And I remember taking an Uber down to see the the John Hancock building and I got out of the Uber and I felt my face go numb. And then I was like, OK, uh, just wait. I'm going to request you again. We're going back. Uh, I'm not doing this. <laughs> you requested your Uber from the Uber. Yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. In the trip, and I'm going to request you again. I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this. Like I can't do it. I don't do well in in the cold. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even worth getting out of the car. That's uh, that's nah, impressive. Nah. <laughs> um, I want to say I think the first video of yours I saw was the one on Bitcoin. Fuck crypto. You don't need anxiety. Before you bought the bullshit fantasy coin, your life was good. But then you made some money and became greedy. Now the bullshit coin is fucked. And nobody can tell you when it is going to be unfucked. Even the motherfucker who convinced you to buy the bullshit coin, who told you that it is going to be the next big thing, that motherfucker is nowhere to be found. You are on your own. And all you can do is cry about it in the shower and hope and believe that your bullshit coin will go up in price again so that you can sell it and make some money and buy some more and then get fucked all over again that is crypto like the way you set up so many of your self-help videos is i mean it, it like they've they've really resonated and I think they've resonated because they take a lot of uh, things that are uh, you you use sort of simple truth and then you throw in like kind of your punchline at the end there. Have you found like a formula for these or did were you doing a bunch and then one you were like, oh, that's the formula or how did they they take off the way they have? Because they're all they're all hilarious. And I love how it's uh, a formula that you can like um you can repeat, but then also twist and, and sort of subvert from what the expectation is. First of all, thank you for the, for the compliments. I, I appreciate it. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, you, you enjoy the videos. Um, I think what you said is correct. I mean, the, the simplicity of it is what makes it work. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very kind of, uh, you know, simple kind of, uh, solutions to sometimes very complex problems uh you know that's that's what i i i seem to kind of uh delve into um the the formula is the simplicity uh you know the fact that you know these are all common kind of uh, 
a lot of the, the content is, is based on very common experiences, common lived experiences, uh, you know, of people where, wherever they are. And um, I, I kind of did um, figure out a formula along the way. The first video that I did was actually a, a, a kind of a lot, a lot more, um, a more of a complex kind of uh, a video. That was the one that was just supposed to be a once-off thing that happened at a time that I was I was doing a whole lot of comedy-related things. And, you know, um, it was the pandemic. I was depressed. I was bored. Um, you know, I just felt I needed to kind of like uh, keep pushing myself creatively. Otherwise, I was going to kind of implode at the time, you know. And uh, the idea kind of popped in my head. And um, I shot the first video. And... I hadn't even had a TikTok account. Someone said, put it on TikTok. And I said, what? TikTok? I mean, that's for idiots, man. I mean, <laughs> at that time, it was just like people dancing and, and you know, and doing near-death challenges and, you know, all kind of stupid shit. And I said, okay, fine. You know, I'll, I'll put it on there. And I put it on there and I totally forgot about the first video. And I think uh, a couple of weeks later, um, people were telling me, hey, we've we seen your video. We've seen your video. I wasn't sure what they were talking about. And then one day somebody sent me a link and they said, hey, your videos, uh, you know, mentioned on the front page of Reddit. And I was like, whoa, uh, you know, that's that's kind of like a, a big deal. And I went and checked out and like, and, you know, people were talking about it. And I hadn't logged into my TikTok account since I uploaded the video. And I went in and I got a shock of my life. There were millions of views. And wow. I was like, OK, this is this is uh, quite interesting. Uh, you know, what do I do with this? And uh, people were saying, we want more, we want more. So I figured, I don't know if I have more in me. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes these things are really a one-off thing. And I tried the second video, which was fuck your job. Uh, that was the second video. And that was the beginning of the simple formula. Uh, you know, fuck your job, do only what you are paid to do. Yeah. Those are the first two lines. And that just hit, it was bigger than the first one. Then I'm like, okay, um, I, I'm, I'm kind of seeing here what's what's working, you know? And uh, and then, that, like you said, you know, I was able to replicate it, the same kind of rhythm and the same kind of simplicity, but apply it to a whole range of different uh, uh, topics that that people could kind of uh, you know connect with. And um, you know, I didn't think I had two videos in me, but it turns out, you know, I had a lot, a lot more than that. Yeah, yeah, and you tackle uh, so many different topics, whether it be like relationships or sort of uh, work, as you said, or money, you know, thinking of like with the Bentley uh, uh, video, I forget when you put that out. But um, what what topics do you find like really hit with uh, people and do different cultures like resonate more with different um topics given that you've got such a big international following the topics that kind of resonate are to do with with work and with love and mm -hmm. those i find are the two things that everybody wants success in they want to have, have success in in you know uh you know uh through through the job that they're doing they want some some kind of fulfillment to their job and they want to find love and if they got those two things or they believe if they have those two things in order they're going to be happy all right. So uh, anything related to those two things, uh, you know, kind of connects with the audience and uh, generally, you know, connects with people everywhere. Because no matter where you are, you know, you, you're going to work right? and you're going to you're going to be trying to make a relationship work. Uh, you know, so those are the two strongest themes. Uh, they work everywhere. I, I'm actually very 
surprised, but also very grateful that, you know, when I do the live show, that I can do the same show every place I go, the exact same show, word for word. I don't have to change anything. Whether I'm doing the show in in Thailand or Spain uh, or the US or wherever it is, uh, even places where English is barely spoken, somehow, you know, people kind of just get, uh, you know, what is being spoken about. And it's because, you know, I'm not talking about me in this show, which, uh, you know, a lot of stand-up is, I, I've done, you know, kind of uh, classic stand-up before, you know, we talk about yourself. I'm talking about them. And that's that's what they like. And that's why it connects with them. So I've seen um, stand-up clips of you online um, before. Uh, and a lot of those were about um, maybe the, the place you were at the time. I'm thinking at the... Uh, 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 the Durban County Festival, and then one other. So you're saying for your current show, though, you're um, it, are you in sort of this this character, this self help kind of character, the whole show? Yeah. So basically, it's like it's almost like method stand up in a way. You know, okay. I'm, I'm it's completely from the from the time they announced me on stage to the time I get off that stage, I'm eighty to ninety minutes in the zone. I don't break character at all. Uh, it's completely immersive for the audience, and wow. uh, that's what they that's what they want from me right now. So, um, like I, I was speaking to somebody else about this the other day. They're like saying, "Hey, do you like uh, you know uh, come on as yourself at any time during the, the show?" I'm like, I've tried it a couple of times, and it was you know people were like, "Yeah, this is great, but bring on the other guy." You know, yeah. I've had times where I've kind of like opened for myself, you know, I was an opening act. And it's the weirdest thing being your own opening act and having the audience still want the other version of you, <laughs> you know, like it's a kind of different kind of like a pressure because you go on there and you're like, they're not there for, for you. They're there for the other you, you know, if that makes sense. It's yeah. completely like a, a you know, a, a mind fuck, you know, to, to, to be in that situation. But I understand now also that, uh, and it's something that artists would grapple with, uh, you know, doing kind of like what you want to do and, you know, doing what the audience wants to do and what's you, what audience wants you to do. And right now, you know, I got to give them what they want, you know, and they want, um, you know, me to, to, to do what I do online. And, um, you know, I'm happy to do it, you know, of course, you know. Um, at some point, you know, perhaps, you know, uh, you know I'd like to kind of, uh, you know, bring a little bit more of myself into it. But right now, you know, this is what they want. They like the fact that it's completely immersive. Um, you know, they, you know, they, they're connecting with the guy they see online, you know, for 80 minutes and, you know, leaving happy at the end of it. Yeah. That, so how um, are you able to take this character that people love in sort of these small bits, these like one, one minute kind of clips and then expand it out. Uh, it sounds pretty cool, but did you have like sort of stuff on stage to help build like a stage set or is it all um, sort of just within the character? And then how does that character tell stories? Does he stay in that sort of self-help thing, talking directly to the audience? All setting that up with, if you want to just tell the audience, just wait to see the live show, you can totally uh, say that too. <laughs> no, I, I definitely would love them to see the live show. However, so uh, I, I'll talk a little bit about the show anyway. 
So first of all, I, when I talk about the show, I have to talk about the kind of uh, uh, anxiety I had uh, developing this for, for the stage. It was never supposed to be a, a, a live show. Remember, I said at the beginning of this, you know, I was just, you know, uh, testing an idea, you know, because I, I just was bored and, and I needed to do something creative at the time of the, the pandemic. Um, and uh, when everything started blowing up, you know, I got contacted by uh, by people in the state and in the UK and, uh, you know, promoters. And they're like, hey, you know, you we, we want to promote your show. And I was like, uh, what are you talking about? No, that thing, that, that self-help thing, we want you, we want to do your tour for you. And I'm like, there is no show. You know, this is just a fucking two videos online. What, are, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, no, there has to be a show. There has to be a show. And then, uh, you know, I tried to like t- talk people out of it, you know, uh, you know, including the agency that I, that I work with at the moment. Like, I don't think this is going to work. Um, you know, you can't take this stuff and put it into, uh, you know, TikTok videos don't translate into into shows necessarily, and I was scared, man. I was scared, and before I, before I could even convince anybody this wasn't going to work, I had nine shows booked in London, and I had like uh, shows booked in the states. And December of 2022, there was no show. February of 23, there were already dates booked, so I had like a wow. month to come to come up with something. And you know, it's one of those moments where you like have to. Tell yourself that you know you you got to try this, and you got to if it if it completely bombs, you know at least you know you you tried it, you know you gave it a shot. And I had so I, I literally started writing a show, uh, you know, based on the the kind of uh, not not you know I will tell people this much, right? Um, nothing you see, it's completely different to what you see in the video. The philosophy is the same, you know, the the feel of it. But it's a different experience, you know. It's a live experience. So some people come to the show thinking, uh, "I'm going to get up there and do the greatest hits. I'm just going to do like TikTok video after TikTok video, you know, and I'm just going to perform the TikTok video." It's not that. Um, it's it's something different. But if you like the videos, you'll like the show. So anyway, uh, I I managed to I write the show down. Times the dates are on the calendar. I'm like. There's tickets sold out. The shows are sold out. I'm going to have to go do this shit. And it is no show. <laughs> and I write the show and I literally had two opportunities to practice it in my in my home country, South Africa. The first show was a complete train wreck because there was no structure. Uh, it was all over the place. But there was something there which gave me uh, you know, confidence. And I listened to the recording and I was like, okay, I know, you know, using, you know, the kind of toolkit I have, you know, from experience. Of stand up, I knew how to kind of like, uh, you know, fix what was not working. And the second time I did it, uh, also in my home country, I felt a lot uh, better. I said, okay, I think I'm ready to, to, it's fit for public consumption. Let me, let me say that. And I took it across the pond to the UK and um, still not sure if this thing's going to work. And, you know, I get up there and of course you get the first laughs and I'm like, okay. Uh, you know, we 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 cooking as as you'd like to say, yeah. and um, and over over that for that over that, for that nine shows, I managed to fine tune, fine tune like an hour ten, uh, and uh, by the time I got to the states, uh, got to other places, I had something to work with, and then uh, you know, I was getting the requests from some venue saying, hey, you know, we need you to do uh, an hour thirty, 
because you know we want to obviously sell drinks and and all of that you know as, as the business kind of dictate and like i just you know sweated my ass of coming up with an hour 10 i'm yeah. just saying you want another 20 i mean there's only so much i can do of you know so what do you do uh so you know are you two together <laughs> you know like yeah. you can't crowd you're not gonna crowd work your way out of an extra 20 right. minutes you have to come up with content you know right so uh, somehow you know you know through the blessings of the universe you know this shit came together and uh and i've done it uh, 24 different countries since i started doing it and got to a place where I'm kind of happy and comfortable with. Um, in regards to, I want people to come and see it, but it's, um, I would say it's, it's a kind of like a hybrid show. It's a bit of, it's stand up and you know, that's the nuts and bolts of it at its heart. It's still stand up. Uh, but it's a bit of like a kind of like a, uh, how do I say, like an, like an Eastern philosophy TED talk kind of rolled into yeah. there. And, um, you know, of course, it's a bit of uh, like, uh, because it's in character, it draws on, you know, kind of like those, uh, kind of like what Andy Kaufman used to do, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, it's a bit of of everything. And I think that I've, you know, uh, you know, use everything that I've learned along the way to to kind of like, you know, whether it was sketch comedy or acting to kind of like make something just uh, a juxtaposition of different things, you know. And it's, of course, it's the you know music and um, not too, too much in terms of a uh, uh, in props and all that you're talking about. Not too much of that, but uh, but it's a a very immersive. From what, I, what people tell me, it's a very immersive experience, you know. And and you know, I, it still surprises me when people come and tell me that uh, you know that this transcends comedy in a sense that you know it's actually making a difference to people's kind of mental state and. Not that uh, comedy doesn't in general, it does. I believe, you know, it's comedy is genuinely healing uh, in general. But uh, when people come and tell me, oh, man, uh, you know, what you talk about has helped me get through a tough time at work or, you know, I was I was depressed and, you know, I watch the videos and I, I come to the show and I feel better. You know, that that kind of stuff still surprises me. Because, I mean, kind of comedians, we see ourselves as clowns. I mean, we don't think we're changing the world. Well, I don't think, you know. But, right. you know, to know that in some small way that it is you know, making a difference, it's really cool, I feel. Well, and <clears throat> your videos, um, and it seems like your live show as well, sort of are presenting a like philosophy and an outlook on life. And you're kind of using um, what people like kind of subverting what people expect, like with the character using like more um, like modern language i guess today you like set it up like in in the traditional and then you flip it to modern and your tone doesn't change and i think you brought it up already that juxtaposition of that is just hilarious and really resonates but your messages are still the same as like traditional messages that we would see and is that intentional for you and who if if it is intentional who is inspiring you or what is inspiring you to deliver those messages? Yeah, I think you. you I think you're right. I mean, uh, there's nothing that I'm saying is that's necessarily new. You know, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, claiming to have invented some sort of, uh, you know, uh, new branch of philosophy or, or kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, even like a religion or something like that. You know. Um, 
I think what what I talk about, if I have to, if I have to put a label on it, I would call it common sense wisdom. <laughs> That's I what like it is. That. It's shit that people know already, but may have buried in their subconscious or just kind of like, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's just in the back of their minds or, you know, and what I, what I do is, what I do is I, I bring it, I bring it to the forefront of their minds. I bring it to the front of their minds, you know, and uh, say, Hey, you know, just a reminder, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, uh, it's things that people know, but like you say, it's the way that it might have been presented that kind of just clicks. Like you can hear the same thing um, a million times, but sometimes it takes for you to hear it in a particular way that kind of just clicks with you and it, and it works. So I think, I, look, I, I, I'm not conscious, consciously inspired by, uh, you know, any particular uh, person or, or philosopher. I studied philosophy. Um, I don't remember much of it, uh, you know, from co- from college from college days. But there's probably some of it stuck in there, and I'm drawing on it without even knowing. Yeah, you, you yeah. Know, if that makes sense, it's a, it's a mishmash of shit that I've that I've you know kind of been exposed to and read over, you know, probably uh, you know 20, 30 years of, of my life, and I'm just kind of like presenting it in a way, like you said. Um, that is uh, the language of the people. <laughs> yep, yep, the yep, the common yeah. uh, deal. Did you grow up uh, religious yourself? So, so, so my 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 family, uh, my family wasn't. They they they, they you know they were. How, how do I even say it? I, they weren't like like very religious. They were kind of like uh, you know wanted wanted us to be exposed to. You know, to the world and 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 uh, kind of have different experiences in life, um, but I wouldn't say that they were like kind of dogmatic, uh, you know, in 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 any sense, you know. But there was always a spirituality, uh, you know, in in my household. You know, there was always uh, you know a sense that you, uh, you know, needed to be connected to something other than yourself and right now in in my life you know i also you know um you know i i feel you know connected in a way uh to sort of like going to call it the universe or a higher being you know in a way that makes sense to me uh you know it's a it's a personal personal journey uh in that sense but i don't i wasn't i i don't have a story where i could say that i you know uh you know i was beaten because I didn't want to go to church or, or mosque or any of that, you know, it wasn't that oh. kind of uh, that kind of upbringing. Um, but I, I, I do consider myself quite spiritual, though. Yeah, yeah. And how do you see? Because we live in sort of this day and age where I think the most people ever consider themselves um, not no religious affiliation or anything like that. Uh, yet there are a lot of people that. Um, attribute themselves to be spiritually sort of um, satisfied or spiritually engaged. Have you encountered any of that or seen sort of any thoughts on that in your comments or your DMs um, based on what you do since you're kind of like close to 
you're parodying this this sort of spiritual self-help person. Do you get any feedback about that? Like, I don't go to church, but I watch your videos or something, or do people have a connection to it? I think, you know, by design, and I was I was careful about this, that the character, you know, you know, doesn't kind of uh, you know, fit into any particular box when it comes to, you know, religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he doesn't self-help sing, you know, isn't propagating religion. He isn't part of any religion. He's, you know, he's just part of the world and, um, he speaks to everybody, you know, um, uh, I didn't want to kind of, uh, you know, create a content that was, uh, you know, excluding anybody, you know, or, or kind of like, uh, counter to anybody's, uh, you know, beliefs. Nobody's really said, um, you know, <laughs> I've, I've had some really wacky comments where people have said, you know, you know, he should start a religion <laughs> or like, uh, you know, if, if there is a religion, where do I sign up? You know, I want to come to this uh, religion. I get that kind of thing, but nobody's, uh, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm pretty sure that's tongue in cheek. Well, I hope it is, you know, because <laughs> I, I would never want the character to be seen as a, as a, you know, a kind of like a cult leader or something of that sort. Well, but, I think um, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting. I, I asked the question cause I think I saw a, a comment or a couple comments in some of your videos about it. And, but then it got me thinking like, and also hearing your response, you don't want it to be, and I know you're not taking this, that seriously anyway but i just think it's interesting you won't want to take it to the level of religion because religion is exclusive you know whereas you want to be inclusive but all religions should be inclusive you know and so that that there's that just i found to be interesting and i was curious if you had comments or thoughts on that in particular yeah you know like i mentioned uh you know a few moments ago you know, I'm on my own personal journey, you know, with my own connection to the spiritual and to the, the higher being and, and all of that. Um, and I, you know, and, you know, people should have their own personal journey, you know, mm-hmm. um, they can take, I want them to take what they feel is useful to them from, from what I do. And uh, I want that hopefully to make their lives better without telling them that, uh, you know, you need to be part of, uh, you know, some sort of uh, subscription-based uh, entity or yeah. you know, some sort of uh, structured uh, thing. And, you know, I make a point of, uh, you know, I don't break character in the show, but when I come out and do the meet and greets, I make a point of breaking character. I do it on purpose. And that's to remind people that, yes, you know, we had a great time. You connect and you you enjoy this. And, you know, I want you to 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 feel kind of like, uh, you know, uplifted after the show. But just remember also, you know, man, I'm full of shit. You know, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You know I, I think that's important. You know, I don't want to dupe anybody or, you know, because uh, I mean, some, you know, we assume that people will get that, you know, that something is satire and performance and all of that. But some people might not. You right, know? right. Uh, we can't make assumptions for everybody. So I, I make sure that when I meet people that I'm like, okay. Listen, this is I can switch this on and off. And I'm letting you know that I'm also a real person, you know, and what you see on, on stage is performance ultimately. But it's super cool that you get uh, you know, some sort of uh, value out of it. You know? For sure. Um, so I, I do I do that. So I'm 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 kind of conscious of uh of of all of that. Um 
So yeah, that's it's it's a very interesting question. I've thought about about you know this, and uh, you know I like to kind of keep that separation between me and uh, and the character. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, you know, it's interesting that you kind of found yourself here. You've tried a lot of different things in your career, and you've been doing a lot of different things from film, uh, more traditional stand-up. Were you not in news as well? I was. So uh, my my day job, I studied to be a uh, to work in media. Uh, I had was the same my, thing. Uh, where, where were you doing that? So uh, back home in uh, in Durban, South Africa. Yeah. Uh, which is a uh, on the east coast of South Africa. I went to university there, and I I did a um, degree in uh, in media and uh, communications. It was the one major, and the other major was political science. And I did a, what they call a uh, post grad in uh, in media, um, which did not prepare me at all for any workplace. Um, <laughs> and then I uh, at all. In fact, I remember so clearly. I think there was this there was this lecturer at the time uh, for one of the uh, courses who was so I think he was at a point in his life where I think he was like at quiet quit so hard because the first day he told us um, in case you're wondering um, this this degree or this course is going to be completely useless to you it's designed <laughs> purely to make you sound smart at cocktail parties that's what he fucking said. <laughs> And we all looked at each other like hey, this, but he said that it's only designed for you to make uh, to make you sound smart at cocktail parties. And I'll he was teaching that. the class, and that's what he and said. And he was right, though. He was so <laughs> right. He was he was like he was being real with us, you know. Yeah. Uh, because when I when I when I came out of that, I was unemployable uh, because I had all of this, um, you know, theory in my head, and you know uh, about you know. You know, this you know this guy's uh you know views on on the uh, you know uh, critical theory and you know various things and you know you got all of this what can you do um i ended up being a freelance uh, writer uh for a local newspaper and i did that for a bit and eventually uh, they offered me a job and i uh you know worked in one of those kind of old school uh chain smoking uh, coffee drinking newsrooms you know and wow. the reason why I wanted to be a, yeah, this was this was like just before it all ended, you know, just before newspapers took a nose dive globally, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was still, it was still, you know, the days of like you see in, in the films, you know, these packed uh, newsrooms and phones ringing and a guy's got a cigarette in his mouth and you know he's, he's writing little notes, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, <laughs> you know, and he gets up yeah. and he goes and he goes and you know to a, uh, you know a crime scene, you know. I was in that environment. And I, I wanted that for me. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a journalist because of Clark Kent, right? Yeah, right. You Superman know? Kent. Superman was a fucking journalist, you know? And I said, <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that looks like, you know, fun. And I did it and shit, it was not that fun. It wasn't like that. It was high pressure. Um, I did it for, it was, it was, you know, quite nice for uh, a long time. And then I kind of like, I don't want to do this anymore. I didn't like the fact that... Uh, the whole kind of uh, philosophy of what we were doing was if it bleeds, it leads. Right. There was a bad news, man. Bad news sells. Right? Well, what were you writing mostly about? Um... I did everything. So uh, in, in the beginning, I was doing uh, hard news reporting, uh, murders, uh, 
you know, robberies, uh, suicides, uh, high-profile kind of crime, uh, you know, politics, like you know, really serious stuff. Yeah, you know, and uh, I would, I would, I don't know why, for some reason, I would cover a lot of murders and and court cases because we had a lot of that going on in in where I live, you know. Right. Um, and for me. Uh, there was the kind of ambulance chasing thing that we were doing as, as reporters. It kind of got to me. It kind of, to, it kind of started to affect who I was as a person, you know, um, deep down because I don't want to be around that kind of negativity. And right. what, what, what was the turning point for me? Uh, you know, the one day we got wind of, uh, you know, somebody, I, I, I can't remember the circumstances of how this gentleman actually died. But I was told uh, by my boss, you need to go to his house and go interview his his now widow. I mean, this is like within hours and you got to go, you know, ask a person how they feel. Get that, you know, that that that, you know, heart wrenching comment from the from the victim's uh, wife. And I'd done this a hundred times by then. And I, I went to uh, the house and I. Uh, I rang the bell and of course the lady came to the, the door and I said, hi, ma'am, I'm so-and-so from this newspaper. I just want to say, first of all, I'm really sorry about what happened. And she said, what do you mean? At that point, it struck me that she hadn't even been informed yet. Oh, no. And then the phone rings in the background and someone in the house picks up the phone and starts howling. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is um so at that point i was like no i i need to get out of this shit i mean that was it for me that broke me yeah. you know to be uh and i did a lot of bizarre i mean that's a whole nother podcast to tell you the kind of bizarre shit that you know i covered as a news reporter in a place where bizarre things just happen you know on a daily basis and uh yeah I and mean, i was moonlighting as a comic to kind of like you know offset that Oh, and uh, yeah, yeah, and and I got to a point eventually where you know I was making enough money as a comic that you know being at a full time job was actually uh, you know uh, blocking certain opportunities, so I had to make a choice, and then I got an asshole boss in who made the choice easy for me <laughs> because because yeah because up to that point I had a guy in who a boss who had quite quit and he just didn't give a shit. Yeah. What I did, where I was, if I went and out with the gigs in the middle of the day, he did not care. I think the only only thing he really worried about, like if he needed me to pick up his dry cleaning or something, I would happily go do it. But I I love that deal, right? Imagine having a boss who doesn't give a fuck what you're doing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> when your boss quiet quits, is is got to be the best. Yeah, this guy was. He had checked out, like seriously. <laughs> And uh, so I was happy. And then eventually he, he he quit for real. And the guy who came in was like a, like a megalomaniac. And this guy wanted to micromanage. And that made it easy for me. Yeah. And I was like, uh, yeah, I think this is the, you know, this is the sign to to jump shit. Took a leap of faith. I mean, to do comedy full time in a, in a place where I come from, uh, it's, it, was a, it was a miracle. I believe in miracles because. South Africa is not the US, not the UK. It is a tiny comedy market. I mean, people don't have a lot of money. 
we love comedy. Make no mistake about it. Uh, we support comedy when we can, but you know, it's not like you know the U.S. where you got comedy clubs that are in in in, in major cities that are operating seven days a week. Uh, you know, and there's plenty of you know. It was uh, it was it was tough. But funny enough, the way stand-up comics make a lot of money in South Africa is not so much from shows. Um, we make money. We were making money from uh, weddings and birthday parties. Oh, so you really? Africa, you guys do stand up at like in the way we would get like a DJ or a band. You guys would get yes, a comic. Yes. So you know how like generally, if um, if somebody if you're having a wedding, right, you're gonna get yeah. your best mate to MC uh, the wedding, or uh, or your uh, you know your your cousin or something, somebody that you know. Yeah, in South yeah. Africa, we we hire complete strangers. So so, and these are people they are doing. When you say MC, do you mean like? actually marry them or do you mean just run no, the no. party after run the the reception yeah yeah reception. okay the, the compere what what do you say compere is that a better word for it uh, MC is fine right? we would call it like the mc or the uh yeah it's usually honestly we sometimes hire people too but they're not really funny they're just like telling people where they need to go it's like a dj no, no. no the expectations are uh inside of africa when they're hiring uh -oh. mc you got to put on a production. It's like when you picture this, when you're doing it, it's like you are hosting like the, the Grammys or the Oscars. It's oh. going to be that kind of, it's like, it's going to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not just saying, uh, uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the buffet is open or like, you know, uh, we're going to have the couple are going to have their first dance. No, no, no. It is a, a fucking production. <laughs> and, uh, I suppose everywhere we get into a point where people are spending a lot of money on uh, on, on weddings, yeah. but in South Africa, it, it we, we, you know in the kind of like um, level that I was working at, people were spending huge amounts of money on on weddings, and you know they wanted to have like uh, you know somebody good to to and a lot of the people they would hire would be like established uh, figures in the entertainment industry, not necessarily always comics. Sometimes they'll hire like a famous actor from a soapy or, oh. or a movie star or a South African movie star, you know, or, you know, somebody of that stature to, to MC the wedding. So I was doing that every weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would work three days a week. Occasionally there'd be a corporate gig in the middle of the week, but generally nothing was happening in the weekdays. Uh, it was very rare in South Africa to like, for example, have a show on a Tuesday night, Yeah, you know, there are people at home, you know, it's a school night. You, right. You know, yeah. Um, so weekends were like banging. So on a weekend, I'd do like, uh, I'd do at least at, at the peak of what I was doing, I would do like maybe two weddings on a weekend and one birthday. So I'd do at least three gigs and that would be pay me enough money to live a good life, you know, having three, six, nine, about 12 gigs a month. So I was getting enough of that, uh, you know, to... To, to to do to do have a nice life um and in between i would like produce my own shows to kind of just stay relevant and and stay in people's minds you know with uh you know we would book i'll book a theater or you know a hotel conference room and and do a show an actual stand-up show because ultimately that's what we you know we wish you could only do that we wish that's you know we could live off that but it wasn't impossible at the time we had to go and uh, tell jokes at weddings yeah, <laughs> and those are yeah. tough crowds. Weddings are tough crowds, you know. Oh, I mean, you, yeah, you're competing with food, man. 
you know, no, your, your jokes. I mean, you'd be throwing out gold nuggets there, and they're like, mm hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, you're competing with food, you're competing with drunk uncles, you're competing with all of it. Uh, yeah, all of it. Ladies and gents, excuse the interruption, but I want to tell you about Everlight Solar. This episode is presented by Everlight Solar. Our studio is literally lit up by solar power, the good old sun. Everlight Solar is making it happen. And hey, spring is coming, and what better time to switch? over to solar energy with Everlight Solar. Check them out, everlightsolar.com. Book your free, free consultation to see if solar power and solar energy can work for you. And folks, Fleet Farm, well, I tell you this much. In the Midwest, no garage is complete without the ultimate toolbox and power tools set up. Fleet Farm has you covered when it comes to to upgrading your personal collection with all the best brands. Check out their huge selection and the biggest brands like Milwaukee and DeWalt. Find the best power tools, hand tools, accessories, and more. And when it comes time to showing it off to your neighbor, they've got every tool, storage device you could think of. Toolboxes, bags, shelves, cabinets, you name it, they got it. Check out the very best in power tools, accessories, and more over at the Fleet Farm. And it is time now to tell you, ladies and gents, if you really want to support the Cast, go to CripesCast.com, click on the merch section. And Colleen, we've got it all up there, don't we, for merch and stuff? Yeah, so go to CripesCast.com and it has everything about the show. But the best way to support is if you click on our merch and it'll direct you to all of our Midwest items. we got Team Pop versus Team Soda t-shirts. We've got Roll Out the Barrel t-shirts that people are loving. Um, lots of t-shirt designs that are all based about the Midwest. Um, we have a lot of sweatshirts, crewnecks, hoodies, all of that jazz. Um Cribbage board, games, cards, card sale. Um, they got it all. And yeah, patreon.com slash Charlie Barons, where you can get extended intros, deleted scenes, early notice for show dates, mm -hmm. and a whole heck of a lot more. Yeah. So go check it out. Go check it out, folks. Patreon.com slash Charlie Barons. And back to the Cripes cast. What's the weirdest uh, thing you've ever seen at a wedding? <laughs> Shit. There's a lot of that. So I'll tell you the one that comes to mind immediately. And that's probably the one I should tell you. <laughs> so I've had, okay, I've had drunk uncles come and grab the mic from me. Yeah. I've had that. It happened at least once or twice. I'm doing my shit and in the middle of my like, stand up, the uncle, like, you know, he's obviously heckling me the whole time and he comes up and he wants to show that he can do better. And uh, you know, I'm, not hired, I'm not hired to fight anybody. So uh, on one occasion, I, I said, oh, sure. I gave him the mic and I sat down in his seat. And because you must control your drunk uncle, man. That's not in my contract. <laughs> so you just you gave him, a, you gave the worst guy at the wedding the mic and sat down had, and watched he, what he had to say. No, no, he, this dude will probably knock me out if I had to fight him on it. He was in that <laughs> zone. You know, you know that, yeah. that zone of drunkness? Yeah. Where you, you can't reason, you can't reason. So like I, I he was he was like trying to grab the mic out of my hand, so I let go. Yeah. And I went to my seat and I sat there and I said, "Go ahead, embarrass your family now." <laughs> and um, and his wife eventually had to go and like get him down off the stage. And uh, yeah, because that's not my job. Seriously, I'm not gonna fight no yeah. drunk man. Uh, I don't get I wasn't getting paid yeah. enough for that. But the most bizarre wedding I ever did was. Um, 
Oh man, you know, weddings can sometimes be so tragic. Some, uh, you know, I uh, so it was like uh, the wedding was on Saturday. I get a call like two a.m. on on the on the Saturday morning of the wedding. I'm like half asleep, and I see it's the the go between the you know the family member who's been liaising with me. Yeah, and he's like, hey, listen. Uh, so I thought yeah. I thought oh, what's going on. I mean, this is fucking crazy. Calling it to him. Listen, uh, we had a problem. Uh, I said, oh my God, uh, is the wedding off? That's what I thought. So another weddings are going ahead, but you know, there's, there's been a bit of an issue. I uh, just want to let you know, uh, whatever you have in the program, I want you to cut it down to bare bones. Literally, you're going to be doing 15 minutes. You're just going to, you know, introduce two speakers and you're going to open up the buffet and that is it. Whatever you, we had discussed about the, the pageantry and the comedy and all that, um, it's out. I'm like, oh, so and said, please just don't tell any jokes at the wedding, <laughs> nothing. Just do it straight, you know. Do it, do play it straight. I'm like, oh my god, what's going on? So he says, listen, between you and me, uh, the bride found out that the groom has been cheating, <laughs> and she she caught she she caught him the night she caught him the night before, um, having one more yeah, having one more go with his uh, with the bridesmaid who happens to be. Uh, 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 good friend. <laughs> <laughs> and they still got married. That's the kind of thing people would do to save face. You know, sometimes people would do that. They would do uh, that just not to have to explain to the public. So uh, apparently, uh, the groom and, and one of the bridesmaids who happened to be actually was the maid of honor, I think, who was like the bride, like best wow. friend, had been having an affair for like a long time. And the maid uh, of the honor, dude. Yeah. And the night, what happened was they went caught in the act. Uh, the maid of honor suddenly had a, uh, a kind of like moment of, uh, uh, conscience and confessed it all to the, uh, to the bride the night before her wedding. Well, good for her. You know, I mean, really stepping up to the plate on that. <laughs> so the wedding went ahead it was the weirdest wedding I ever did. I was there and, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, doing the whole thing and, you know, playing it as straight as I can. Yeah. The bride, the bride is like crying the whole time behind me, <laughs> you know, the table behind me. Everyone thinks yeah. it's because, uh, you know, she's emotional. It's a special right. day. <laughs> uh, oh, man, I don't want to laugh at this. But in the meantime, uh, you know, I know the backstory to what happened. Yeah, you know. I mean, um, yeah. I, I feel like we can laugh at it because there's no way that relationship is still together so do you yeah, know hey man i don't know i don't know um you'll be surprised you'll be surprised you know but yeah that was an example of what people are willing to do just to save face before the public you know i would have i thought i thought she would have called it off you know but she was uh, like no we we we're doing this we are doing this wow no depart we're not getting no deposits back i think it's also that I think oh yeah you're not getting any <laughs> How many people and get married because they can't get the deposit back? I think a lot of them do. I've had a lot of the, those kind of things. You know, uh, I've had uh, it's not an interesting one. I think uh, there, there's been a bunch of those kind of uh, bizarre things. I saw a bride, a bridezilla of note one time, completely shitting her her husband out the moment she walked before she walked into the you know reception. You know the the big entrance. I'm standing out there and she's like. Telling this guy what a fucking asshole he is because the flowers are not the right color, and uh, you know this is not right. And 
why the fuck is the you know the tables arranged in this way like going losing a shit kind of like in full earshot of like the guests oh wow that is that is i don't know what completely like completely like demasculate a dude like on his wedding day (laughs) you know i've seen brides not want to get out of the car uh like you know almost like changing their minds like yeah just before they're about to do the thing man i've seen when it comes to weddings i uh, there's very little i haven't seen you know uh behind the scenes the wedding industry is just a whole nother animal man it's just like a whole different uh different thing you know i'm glad i i i've seen those things i'm glad i did it um because i mean it's it quite interesting but also it helped me because they're the toughest crowds you can possibly get um, sometimes, you know, wedding uh, back home would start like two or three hours late. And, you know, now you're going to entertain a crowd that is like tired, irritable. You know, it's it's made me a better comic, I think, you know, having, uh, you know, had all of those, uh, all of those uh, experiences, you know. Yeah. I mean, what a way to cut your teeth. Usually when you're doing open mics, at least those are hard um, because you're dealing with a bunch of other comics. But a wedding there are probably people there who don't even want to laugh or aren't even going to give you that yeah. they don't know you they're not even know you're going to tell jokes so and they're eating yeah what i've learned from weddings and and birthday parties you know non-comedy crowds is that a sense of humor is not a guarantee i assume growing up and in life everybody wanted to laugh i thought everyone like enjoyed laughing there are some people who don't like comedy who don't like laughing who just uh are serious people and actually hate the idea of of somebody trying to make them laugh it's the real thing you know people who like just will sit there and and stare i have been to places also where people had never seen stand-up comedy and were confused as fuck you know what i was doing you know <laughs> like you know people looking at me like what the fuck is this pastor talking about <laughs> 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 you know yeah. what is he talking about um so and, and i did some research into it and apparently uh there's a very interesting uh podcast i stumbled across I, I can't remember the life of me uh where i found it but it spoke to the fact that somebody in scotland uh did a uh a university study into humor what is humor and uh one of the things they found was that um Humor is something that has to be socialized into you from a very young age. Like your mom and dad or your, whoever raised you, they are part of that. You know, uh, they teach you humor, you know, in its very basic form in the beginning. And you learn from them, uh, you know, the idea of what humor is. And on a basic level, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you find, uh, you know, farting and poop, you know, funny. That is yeah. like, that is important. That is important. You know, when kids kind of like uh, you know laugh at that shit, that's part of uh, you know the the process of developing a sense of humor. And of course, you know, you can move on to knock knock jokes, and then it gets like uh, you know a little bit more advanced from there. Some people don't have that. Some people are never uh, you know never have humor socialized into them, and they will they will live their whole life not. Um, experiencing or not having a sense of humor in the same way 
uh, you know, some people may never have like a, uh, you know, a high emotional IQ or, mm-hmm. you know, a, you know, other things that we, 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 we kind of consider to be, you know, normal part of, uh, you know, a human uh, development. That's really good to hear because every time I do a stand-up show, there's, well, not every time, I hope, but sometimes there's always that one person in the crowd who's not smiling, not doing anything, just staring at you the whole time. And you're like trying to get them to laugh. And then eventually you give up because you're like, something's going, something unrelated to me, I hope is going on with you right now, you know? Have you ever, have you, it's, it's a thing, right? Because yeah. have you ever like been in a room where everybody's completely killing it at your jokes and there's that one face in there that is just staring back at you. And now, yeah. instead of just appreciating how well you're doing, you start, it becomes your mission to make that one person uh, laugh, to make that person happy. And, that, so- and, that, and that's, it's a trap, it's a trap, right? It is. I mean, it's like uh, the videos that, you know, you do that I do. You see one bad comment and you're like, that's the one that sticks with you and you ignore all the other ones. It's just human nature to, you know. I, I totally, I totally, uh, uh, you know, connect with that uh, because that is it. You know, you you read like all these amazing comments and that one thing will will bother you and it can bother you for like, you know, throughout your day if you let it, you know. But yeah. I also realize that, uh, you know, as much as some people don't have a sense of humor, some people are also a little bit more uh, kind of subdued, you know, in the way they express their uh, enjoyment True. Uh, at comedy. Like, you know, uh, people ask me about audiences. They say, you've been with these places, uh, you know, which are the best audiences? Um, I think they're all great in their own way, but I can tell you which ones are like very difficult for an artist to kind of like um, get a sense of how they're doing. Like I went to Norway uh, last year and I'm doing the show in Oslo and uh, ah, man, I think I'm bombing on stage. I'm like, oh my God, they fucking hate this. They hate me. This thing is a disaster. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I need to write it down. The show doesn't work in Norway. It doesn't work in Norway. We're going <laughs> to just do the time. We're going to do the time and we're going to go, we're going to go home and back to the hotel. We're going to cry and then we're going to move on tomorrow, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just gotta just gotta get through this uh, hour twenty, and then you know life will go on from here. And you know it's one of those gigs where you're like you like fucking you're sweating, you're sweating the whole time. You're like, and you look, oh fuck, only ten minutes gone, only ten minutes gone. I still gotta be up here for another another hour. And like you know, the best I'm getting there is like, <laughs> I'm like oh my god. And here I come and I finish the show, and I get like the biggest applause. I'm like, are these people just like really like nice or yeah. are they being like just just like, uh, you know, they're just being polite. And then I'm like thinking, OK, I'm probably going to like leave the theater and, um, you know, just forget about this gig. And then like the manager comes to me and says, listen, uh, you got a big line of people for the meet and greet. I'm like, really? These people still want to meet me after they hated the show? And lo and behold, I come out to the theater and there's this huge line. Basically, everybody stayed behind the meeting. And people are like, oh, it was good, yeah? It was amazing. You're so good. I'm like, really? You should tell your face that. <laughs> <laughs> what was the deal? So they just, they, they don't, 
laugh as much or what? They yeah, they're a little bit more reserved, you know. I respect it. that. It's a it's a culture thing, you know. It's it's different. It's different. Yeah, everywhere. You know. I yeah, I learned. I, I wish somebody had fucking told me this uh, before. <laughs> right. You know, somebody if someone if somebody just said to me, "Listen, dude," before I went on, listen, they're probably not gonna laugh that much. It's not you. It's just the way it is. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I would have had a lot more fun that night. Nobody told me that shit. They they sent me to the wolves. They let me go up there and believe that I was bombing. Have you ever, have you ever bombed so hard where you start to question your your life choices? Oh yeah. You're like you know you know that we we like you know when you're driving home after a gig you're like you know maybe maybe mom and dad were right you know, you know? <laughs> maybe I should try and be a lawyer after all. Yeah. It's like you know look at you. You're like you're like, like look at you. You know, who do you think you are? <laughs> Just looking in the rear view mirror yeah, long enough yeah, to hit some yeah. Yeah, through you the think, windshield. You think you, th- you really thought you were hot shit, weren't you? Isn't it? <laughs> you thought you're special. <laughs> no. That voice, you know? Yeah. Lot, you're just like everybody else. What do you think you are standing there and making a, making a fool of yourself, you know? All these people with good jobs, you know? And you couldn't even, you couldn't even make them laugh. <laughs> It's the loneliest yeah. that, that 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 drive home after you bomb is is the loneliest, most soul searching drive you'll ever have, right? You don't even you don't even feel you deserve good music on the radio. Just you don't, silence. You yeah, yeah. You deserve silence. You don't deserve to listen to anything melodic or or, or pleasant. You don't no. deserve the radio. So you will sit on this highway and drive at the speed limit all the way home. Maybe a little. About <laughs> think about and what think about, and think about what you've done <laughs> what about a sad burger and milkshake you include that no you don't even deserve a, a burger wow. you know you deserve you deserve to go home and make yourself a sad cheese sandwich oh yeah wow you are you're even harder on yourself than i was i would at least get a yeah. sad burger but man. Burgers and milkshakes are for winners. You're not a fucking winner. <laughs> I feel like you're doing the opposite of the self-help talk right now. <laughs> you're doing a, a motivational version of it too. It would be uh, hilarious. That's a good t-shirt. Bur- burgers are for winners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, before we wrap up, you are coming to... You are coming to Milwaukee. You're coming to the Midwest. We've got this thing here, the Midwest goodbye. And I don't know how familiar you are with it. It's in other cultures as well, but it's where we take forever to say goodbye. And, you know, because they offer you another beer, you have to take the leftovers. You have to go help them fix a door. You have to go look at their new snowmobile in the garage or whatever. I'm curious. (laughs) I'm curious if you have any self-help yes. thoughts for a midwest goodbye you know it does exist in other cultures so uh back home in the in our indian community uh in my community uh, we t- we take forever to to say goodbye it's uh you know uh, when when visitors are leaving um usually it's because there's an uncle that's leaning through the open car window yes like yes yeah that's but, great uh, yeah Indian and, uncles uh, do that as well, huh? Yeah, they do. They lean through the car window <laughs> and they, they'll, they, they, you know, they, 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 they'll talk stupid shit. They'll like comment on like, uh, you know, features in your car. Oh, you know, yeah. you got 
cruise control. Okay, all right, and, uh, no, you know, oh, you you should have you should have rather got the one with this, or you know, uh, you know, you uh, you should consider maybe uh, getting this uh, accessory, or you know, to start looking, to start figuring out little things in the car, and you know, check the mileage. Oh, I'm, what what? It's good mileage. What was the mileage was when you got it? Okay, so they start calculating, you know, and then they want to see what you get, what what uh, what you're getting per gallon. Yeah, and all that kind what, of like <laughs> what, what your gas mileage is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They get into it, and then uh, and then it's like a thing now where uh, it's like okay, all right, bye, bye, bye. Okay, bye, bye, bye. Yeah. All right, right, bye, bye, bye. Uh, don't don't go down this way. Don't go down this way. <laughs> Right. Rather take the other way, yeah. Take the other way, rather. You know, this way, yeah, it's not so nice. It's uh, you know, the one traffic, the one uh, street light isn't working. Go this way, rather. It'll take you, uh, it'll take you uh, twenty minutes longer. But uh, you know, you don't want to go here because it's one street light that's not working. Go there, it's better. All the street lights are working. Never mind, it's twenty minutes extra. Just go. It's better for you because all the street lights are working. Working there. <laughs> oh my god yeah dude that is so funny okay so so if you want to know how to cut that short okay, yeah so i i don't know how to, to solve to solve that i guess the only thing you can do is like literally roll your window up and if you are the one that's being held back to roll your window up and just fucking get the fuck out yeah and uh and just reverse <laughs> out of the driveway and go um if you are the one that needs the people to go you can actually kind of uh, get the process started um, from the time they're still in the living room. Oh, how do you there's do a, that? Uh, there's a thing in Germany they do. It's a very polite way of telling people to fuck off. <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's a thing they say. They say, uh, is it German or Norway? I don't want to fuck this up. Anyway, it's a European thing, right? So this is what you say. If you were to leave now, what time would you get home? That is how you is a polite way of telling someone to get if, if to fuck you were off. To, if you were to leave now, what time would you get home? Yeah, if you were to leave now, what time would you get home? About ten o'clock, and then that's it. No, but, so what? Uh, usually, it, uh, apparently, it works in Europe because then it like kind of puts the idea in the person's head that hey, maybe I should get going without you saying. That uh, I think you should leave. It's a very polite European thing. I get it. It's kind of like saying like, oh, yeah, how far is your drive? So how far is your drive? How far of a drive you got tonight? Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah, yes. I, I, I could yes. see that. That's really funny. Well, that's good advice. So that, so that should start the process of them getting up from uh, out of the living room and, uh, and then heading to the car. Mm -hmm. And then uh, and once they have the car... It's up. It's in your. You, I think the person who's saying the goodbye, who's seeing off the visitors, has the power at that point to yeah. end the interaction. Because you can really say, "Okay, you know, have a safe trip, or see you next time." And you start like getting. I suppose you could probably say some shit like, uh, "Oh, I gotta get in. It's cold." Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's gonna say, uh, "No, you can't go back in the house. It's cold." Oh, it's cold. Or maybe you put some shit in. On the stove, or I don't, but I think it's you know you gotta be subtle to be like polite. You do, yeah. You you kind of dancing around it a little bit, which is funny that we're we we always still as people 
favor politeness over honesty. Because if we were all just more honest, then um, then we would be used to the honesty, and then we could just save so much time. But we could, we could. Well, I'll tell you something. So a friend was telling me this story. Uh, he went to he went to visit a uh, uh, a mutual friend of ours, and. Uh, like he wasn't even there for like 30 minutes and this guy like basically told him to leave uh because um he said um he basically said uh you know I, i've got someone coming over see <laughs> it comes across as even brash as you say it to me but i'm like uh you yeah. know so, so like this wasn't prior let me just put it, let me make this clear it wasn't like prior he, he didn't like uh you know have this this other uh, appointment booked uh oh. you know before my friend got there it's like while my friend was there this girl agreed to like come over and my friend was like okay you out <laughs> get moving <laughs> I, I guess that's what you need you just need someone to say i'm gonna be there in 10 minutes okay guys see ya yeah basically that that's the one that's the one thing that will uh hit off that sort of goodbye thing. You would think there'd even be some sort of, he'd make up an excuse, but he didn't. He didn't. He was like, literally, you need to get out of here. Someone, someone else is coming. I find them more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like, the way to do it. Because basically that what it is, right? He had a choice. He could have yeah. told the girl that, uh, listen, I've got company. Let's do this another time. Right. But you're like, okay, I'm prepared to tell this other person to to fuck off, mm -hmm. um, and and he's letting the person who has to go know that you know you were sacrificed, yeah, yeah, because you you were just not interest, interesting enough or worth me canceling this other thing that popped up. <laughs> and now you know, I and I could have lied to you, but I'm at least giving you the respect of being very honest with you, you know. I don't feel like that's going to be a good consolation, though. I don't think honesty. Do you, do you think it's good to uh, to kind of, uh, what is it, to prelude honesty with saying, I'll be honest with you, or I'm going to be honest with you? I, I'm going to be honest. Do you honest think we need to say that? No, because yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's just like, it's like, uh, I don't want to know how I'm going to die. You know, because I'll just be worried about it. But like, if somebody says, I'm going to be honest with you, then it's just like, oh, so you had to just give me that anxiety moments before I was already going to get that anxiety. And it's possible that what you were being honest about wasn't even that big of a deal. And yet still you sent the cortisol levels up, you know, but maybe that's on me for giving a shit. I think I'm going to be honest with you is like kind of saying it's like a uh, disclaimer that, um, you know, whatever I say right now, as, as outrageous as it may be or hurtful, mm. um, you have to just fucking deal with it because honesty trumps all. And mm. uh, you have to respect the fact that I'm being honest with you. So mm. I can say anything. I, I, I can say this to you, right? Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. You're a fucking asshole. You can't mm. get upset because I'm being honest with you. I mean, you don't want me to be honest. Yeah, though that's you, true. You don't, you don't. You don't appreciate honesty. You don't value honesty. Not only are you what a are fucking you, asshole, but you don't value the honesty. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I wasn't, you know, I, I heard the politest way of telling somebody that an asshole in, um, in, in, you know, sometimes some things don't translate in, into other languages, like certain English yeah. phrases. Yeah. Like it doesn't exist in, 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 in another, you know, it doesn't come out the same. So I was in, in, in Europe and, uh, this, uh, this cab driver, uh, yelled at an English speaker. He told him that asshole is your name. He didn't say you're an asshole. He said, asshole is your name, Ass- which I think is worse. Asshole is your name. Oh. I think it's worse than calling someone an asshole. Asshole is your name. That's powerful, man. It is, right? Yeah. Because you're not saying that, you know, you're saying that your sum total of your existence is an asshole. Yeah. Even though saying you're an asshole yeah. is almost, yeah, it's almost more, maybe it's because we're not used to hearing it. Maybe we're so used to hearing you're an asshole that we don't think about it. But when you say your name is asshole, now we're thinking about it. <laughs> now we're yeah. we're like, damn, yeah, he, that hits. He is, yeah, you're not branded. I mean, that is who you are. Yeah. You know? That is yeah. your that is like your like you 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 know it's like your your kind of like uh your identity. Yes. Asshole exactly. is your name. Yeah. It's, it's like it's on your it's like it's like on your ID, you know? Yeah, if you just pull up an ID and it's just an asshole, you know? It's <laughs> like, yep, you can go in, you know. That's one of the best things I heard, you know. Asshole is your name. That that is amazing how you can just kind of pick that up too, and uh, that's the nice thing about traveling the world and doing this is you get to uh, you get to see these different things in different cultures, and then probably I hope at one day maybe uh, see that fall into one of your videos. That would be <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, dude, this has been absolutely awesome. Thank you for talking. When are you coming to the Paps? When can people um, come see you in Milwaukee? Uh, I need to find the... Uh, oh, hang on. I'm, I'm getting I'm, told. Is it you, this weekend? I got such a, a, a crazy uh, no, uh, thing. I, I, need, I need to like... Give me a, a, a moment and yeah, I'll tell you exactly where I'm, where I'm going to be in the, uh, in the Midwest. Yes. Uh, shit. Where is all of this? I don't even have the this the schedule in, in, in Oh it's the twenty fourth. It's the twenty fourth. Yeah. Really? I'm this, gonna be there? This Saturday. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, dude. I beat you oh, to wow, it. Okay. And by me, I All mean right. Colleen who's sitting here. She she beat both of us to it. So um well cool. Well you're gonna enjoy uh yourself, I hope, in Milwaukee. It's warmer here than usual. Uh there may be a lot of Midwest goodbyes at your meet and greet, but um if someone is not um respecting your goodbye attempts just tell them asshole is your name and we'll we'll be good so um but it's, thanks it's, it's, it's milwaukee a one-day town or a two-day town oh i'd say it's a two-day town two-day town okay yeah all right then i may I mean, stay a little bit yeah enjoy it yeah um all right. and if i it's saturday night i'm gone i'm in iowa Otherwise, I'd you come suck. see you. I know, you I suck, do. Man. Asshole is my name. I hope you... Well, are, you doing, are you doing a gig in Iowa? In yeah, I think I'm doing... Okay, so no, I'm doing it Friday night. I may be back by Saturday night. 
because All I'm right. doing Iowa City on Friday night, apparently. I was misinformed. Oh, Sioux City. Oh, shit. Now I'm messing up look at where the, I'm playing. Look at the two of us, bro. We have no fucking idea what we're doing. <laughs> Our parents were right. We should, we should have gotten proper jobs. <laughs> what kind of bullshit is this? We don't even know. Where you fucking work. We both Happy deserve <laughs> silent commutes to the next city, of which Happy names we do not know. <laughs> what kind of job do you have that you don't know where you work? <laughs> You're just a bum. You're going to become a bum. <laughs> oh, they were right this whole time. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. At least we're living proof of it. Uh, <laughs> dude, this was so much fun. Thanks for uh, talking. I love your videos. I'm excited to see, uh, uh, hopefully, maybe see your show. And, um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll chit-chat soon, I hope. All right. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. All right, goodbye. All right, see ya. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Masood for coming on the show. Make sure you follow him, Masood underscore Boomgard, M-A-S-O-O-D underscore B-O-O-M-G-A-A-R-D. That was fun. Yeah, I like it. Find him on Instagram. Find him on TikTok. Uh, very funny follow. Really enjoyed talking to him. And uh, as always, you can find us at Cast anywhere you get your podcasts. Colleen, thank you very much. Hannah Milos, thank you for editing. And thanks to all of you for listening. And I hope you all keep her moving and watch for deer. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving. It's on Wisconsin. Badgers say it's the old Wisconsin Jubilee. You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot in the walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle and you think you're done. No, you gotta keep her moving. 